What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Light and Lamp podcast. I am here with Steve. Hello. As always, and we've got some coaching news going on in the NHL. Uh, uh, this is, you know, going to be our, our quarter mark podcast where we kind of talk about, um, you know, some disappointing teams, some surprising teams. So, um, kind of just where teams are at. So, I guess before we kind of get into the, well, I mean, I guess it's the whole episode to kind of be in conjunction with this. I mean, two of the most disappointing teams, I think, um, people would really argue are the two teams we're going to talk about at the top, which is the Vancouver Canucks and the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, you know, there has been a couple of teams that are obviously super disappointing. I mean, some people would say the Islanders have been disappointing. I think that you kind of have to put a little bit of an asterisk next to that. Honestly, I mean, just it's because... just been a perfect storm of problems for the Islanders. I would still say it's disappointing, but it's not disappointing in that, like, oh, the team is bad. <laughs> it's disappointing that, like, wow, our luck has been the worst I've ever seen of all time. Yeah, like, you can, you know, the 13-game road trip to then lose your best defenseman, Ryan Pollock, to sit for six weeks, and then you lose your second-line center for three to six weeks, and then your entire and... team goes out on COVID <laughs> list. And... and then your entire Bridgeport team goes down with COVID, too, and it's just like... And the NHL forces you to play out five games that you really shouldn't have, so you basically take five losses at the hands of the NHL. So there's been a lot of mitigating factors for the New York Islanders. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they haven't been disappointed because obviously as, a, as an Islanders fan, it's been kind of frustrating. But unlike the two teams that we're going to talk about, there's been outside fact, several, yeah. fact, in fact, outside That's factors kind of that have yeah. contributed to their downfall. But Vancouver currently sits at the bottom of the Pacific Division, 9-15-2 with 20 points. Philadelphia Flyers, pretty similar, 8-11-4, 20 points, 7th place in the Metro. Both recently fired their head coaches. We'll start in the Metro since, you know, we talked about the Islanders uh, for a little bit there. Philadelphia Flyers, they fire Alain Vigneault. Uh, he was coached for a little less, a little over two years. He took over April 15, 2019. He gets canned December 6, 2021. So about two years and give or take, you know, eight months or so. Um, so what happened? <laughs> you know, Mike Yo um, is the interim coach. We'll get to the, we'll get to some picks for his replacement. Oof. But what happened in Philadelphia because I don't I this team on paper it should have been good a pretty good hockey club <laughs> like I mean I don't know I think the real issue could have been I saw whenever I, I didn't watch the Flyers a lot right because they live out of they play out of market but when I did see them play teams here in the tri-state area they always seem to have a lot of the same problems that the like the later era AV team Ranger teams had primarily like the inability to defend the middle of the ice like they i don't know what it is but they cannot stop the puck from getting into high danger areas in front of their net and they just carter hart has no chance people are seem to be like you know complaining about him and i listen i know carter hart's been disappointing he's on my fantasy team but i don't think it's all his fault here like i think overall the structure was just not there like they weren't well coached anymore i sent you a clip i think it was last week where on a breakout the flyers attempted to like just make this like leave. all or nothing <laughs> yeah they made this all or nothing play at the blue line missed and two of their wingers just like flew they were just gone 
So it's like when you have plays like when you're making plays like that, it's like kind of like no wonder you're losing. My question was just like, why did it take the Flyers so long? I feel like they should have made this move last year after the season ended, to be honest. I really thought like, I thought they should have been better last year than they were. And I just think they should have made this move earlier. So I think it's a little too little too late for the Philadelphia Flyers here. Because they tried everything else but making a coaching change. They changed out. <clears throat> Sorry. They tried to rework like their entire decor. They added Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen. And then they went out and shipped out Jake Voracek and brought in Cam Atkinson. Like, they they shipped off Nolan Patrick. Like, they made a lot of big roster changes that I, I mean, some of them were needed, but I don't think they were all warranted because I don't think it was the team that was the problem. I think it was the coach, you know? Yeah, I mean, when you look on paper, there's not really a super glaring weakness on this roster outside of really, I guess you could say that they don't have that true elite goal scorer. Um, but like up and down, you know, center core, right? You got guys like Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, uh, Scott Lawton, uh, Nate Thompson, like these really competent centers, you know, on the wings, you have guys like Cam Atkinson, Joel Farabee, um, Travis, Travis Konechny. You know, you've got, you know, Even J- JVR. JVR, right. So, you know, I guess really the only thing you're really missing up front would be like a, you know, like a Tarasenko, but it's not like they don't have grit. They don't, you know, obviously they bring grit and spades. I mean, Couturier and, and Giroux play a I very mean, that's physical just, game. They, like, that's the Philadelphia Flyers identity, right? I feel like if they weren't, if they tried to play a pretty brand of hockey with no grit, I feel like they'd be run out of town. <laughs> Yeah, and then you look on D, it's like you have Justin Braun, Kevin Connaughton, Ryan Nelson, who Grant has been hurt for most of the year, you know, Provorov, Ristolainen, in Sanheim, Keith Yandel. Again, a D chord that not only brings a little bit of offense from guys like Keith Yandel and Sanheim and Provorov, but one that, realistically speaking, should be able to defend pretty well with guys like Justin Braun and, I mean, you know, Travis Sanheim's no shrinking violet, he's 6'3", <laughs> you know, like... Provorov's a big kid. Ristolainen is 6'4", 221. I mean, you know, and obviously, I you have Carter Hart. So it's just like, I was going to ask the question, do you think it's the coach? But I guess, you know, the obvious answer. Oh, yeah, sorry. I just, like, ranted on about it. But, yeah, well, I, th- no, I thought no. it really was the coach. <laughs> well, if, you know, if you want to talk about it, just run with it. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree because when you look on paper, there's – I don't see – <clears throat> like a glaring reason as to why this hockey club should be as bad as they've been because it's not even like oh they're underperforming they're in the middle of the pack like they're just not living up to it's like no they've been bad like like really awful <laughs> i mean like te- like they've been terrible like there's no other way to put it and it's just so strange because like they really i don't know I don't know what the issue is. I don't know why AV's teams seem to want to defend this way. But, like, it it just, I don't know. It makes the whole team look terrible. Like, it makes them look like they've never played hockey before. Like, they're getting rolled over by teams and losing, like, 7-1, 6-2. Like, I mean, the game against the Avs, it was, like, what, like, 7-6? It's like you should not be allowing seven goals. Yeah, you should not. You shouldn't be scoring six goals and being in a fight for your life on the ice. <laughs> like, 
that's not how you should be playing hockey <laughs> games. Yeah, and you know, one of the things is, I guess the next question would be. I don't think either one of us think Mike Yo's the answer because I don't think either one of us oh, really no. think he's a very good coach. But I guess of the coaching prospects that are out there, you know, do you think that they should go out and get somebody outside the organization? Maybe bring somebody up from the AHL. Like, what what is your opinion on that situation? Yeah, I'm not really sure what coaches are really out there anymore. So I'm not really sure. I mean, I what is it? I said they should try to get in touch with, I think Detroit has Jim Montgomery on the coaching staff as like an assistant. And I was saying like they should just reach out and give give him a shout and see if they'll be, if he'd be allowed to be interviewed. I think he'd be a good fit. He was a good fit in Dallas. Dallas and, and uh, Philly are built similarly, I think, roster compositionally anyway. So, and he had, he had great success with Dallas. So I don't see why they wouldn't at least kick the tires on it i know i bought i bought this up to you in text but what do you think about the possibility of john tortorella being the head coach of the philadelphia flyers i mean i like it better than his than it being a tortorella revenge tour in vancouver well i don't know why (laughs) that was ever a thing but yeah yeah i don't (laughs) but i mean torts in philly as much as i hate to see it i mean yeah he would ultimately get them to do the one thing they've been unable to do these last couple of years, which is defend. <laughs> so I mean, it, I can't be. It can't really can't go any worse, right? Like, I think the thing that's that would be nice about Torts in Philadelphia is that there's a glaring, obvious need for defense, and if there's one thing that Tortorella teams do it's defend you know and at the expense of everything else yeah it's he's got some pretty good framework to work with here like he's got a very strong back end very strong big back end you know like i said braun sandheim prover office line like these guys are not small people um ironically he'd be oh no what did was he in in new york by the time keith yandel got there was av already in and i coach by that i think point? it was av already when they got yandel um, he'd be reunited with uh, Cam Atkinson, so you know there's that. Yeah. Um, I I think they should they should take a look at Tortorella because if nothing else, you know he would address the primary issue that this team has, which is defending. Um, but they I mean, gotta try you're... something, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're Philadelphia and your team, that's like, I mean, they look like they were like retooling there for a couple of years. If you if you're trying to signal that now you're trying to compete and be one of like the top dogs in the metro, why not go out and get a guy who's proven he can do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Totorella's a proven winner. He's got the experience. I mean, he, he a little on what he's done with the Columbus Blue Jackets in his tenure there was worth another shot in the NHL. And for what it's so, worth, there's really no like superstars for him to run out of town in Philadelphia. I mean, Claude Giroux, but Claude Giroux is so ingrained in that organization. I feel like he's going to do whatever it takes to win, right? He just wants to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I feel like him and Tortorella are going to fucking fit together perfectly. It's going to be like him and Callahan all over again. So speaking of 
team that John Tortorella coached for some strange, weird reason. <laughs> um, Vancouver Canucks also went out and canned not only their head coach, but they went out and canned their general manager. Um, yeah. Jim Benning's gone. Travis Green's gone. Pretty much the entire coaching staff gone. Um, Bruce Boudreaux has been hired as the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. They shut out the LA Kings in their first game under the new head coach. Um, obviously, that doesn't mean a whole lot because generally speaking, when teams make coaching changes, the next game is a pretty good game for them um, because they're all trying to impress the new guy, so to speak. So Yeah, and you don't really see like the changes until like days or weeks later anyway. So Vancouver is another one of these teams that I thought should have been better last year and definitely thought they should have been better in a pretty weak Pacific division, all things considered. I mean, for the love of God, like, you should not be behind some of these other teams, you know? Um, you shouldn't be running behind the LA Kings. <laughs> unlike the Flyers, I mean, there are some things on this team that obviously needed addressing, um, but also unlike the Flyers this is a really really young team you know Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Elias Pettersson, Vasily Podkolzin, uh, Quinn Hughes guys are very young you know and your starting goaltender for all intents and purposes Thatcher Demko is 25 years old which is generally speaking about when guys are just starting to break into the NHL the goaltender position so I do think that there are certain holes in this team that do need to be addressed uh, from a organization and a roster perspective, but still, I didn't think they would be this bad. So I guess again, I'll pose the question to you: Do you think that this was a coaching problem? I I'm not so sure. To be honest with you, I think it's like a fifty-fifty here, because I really think some players in uh, or some key players have been dramatically underperforming over the last couple of years. I mean, Elias Pettersson, granted he was injured for a lot of last year, but even then has wasn't up to playing up to his normal standards. This year he certainly isn't playing up to his, you know, his normal standards. Brock Besser hasn't been great. So, I don't I don't think it was all Travis Green's fault, but it's like the old adage, you can't fire the team, so you have to fire the coach. So, the more interesting thing was, I think, firing uh, the general manager. Travis Green. Yeah, Travis Green, I'm sorry. Jim Benning was the actual general manager. But or I think Travis, it's interesting. Wait, no, Travis Green's a coach. What am I talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> I used the wrong name before. But I think it's interesting uh, that they fired him because I felt like he had a plan, at least at some point. It seemed like he had a plan in the front office and was building towards something. I don't know if maybe it got away from him in the last couple or ownership felt it got away from him in the last couple of years or maybe like that playoff run they went on a couple of years ago set expectations higher than he felt were realistic and was trying to see his plan out and they didn't see eye to eye anymore. But I think it's interesting to let the guy go at this point. Yeah, I mean, I thought that for what it was worth, that Jim Benning did a pretty good job setting this team up from a contract perspective. I mean, they they really don't have any like super bad like complete albatrosses of contracts holding them down. Um, a lot of those bad contracts they managed to get rid of. You know, they got rid of the 
Louis Erickson, or they just expired, you know, the Louis Erickson contract, chief among them. Um, you know, maybe the ownership wasn't super thrilled with how trigger happy he's been on certain issues like with the goaltending where he just immediately went out and bought out Braden Holpe after one bad season. So now that they have dead cap on their, you know, they have dead cap on the books until the end of next year. You know, ironically Brutal. enough, like this is the last year that they'll be paying that Luongo recapture penalty. So that'll be coming off the books. But um, next season, they're going to have 2.4 million in dead cap between Braden Holpe and Jake for Tannen buyouts. So, uh, I don't know. I thought that he did a fairly good job. Um, you know, maybe he did make some moves this year that are kind of putting them a little bit more behind the eight ball as far as keeping the books clean on the contracts. I mean, chief among them, the Oliver ekman Larson contract, which still has one, two, three, four, five years left after this one at 8.25. Um, I, I don't know. I thought otherwise he did a pretty good job, so I'm kind of surprised to see that he was one of the people that was getting the axe. But, you know, it just looks like Vancouver's young guys are just not really buying into the defense part of the game. Like, obviously, we know they can all score. That's not a really an issue at all. But it just kind of seems like those details are missing. That Those small little things that take you from an average player to an elite NHL player. And now, granted, look, Brock Besser's still 24. Bo Horvat's only turning 26. Elias Pettersson is 23. Vasily Podkolzin is 20. Niels Hoaglander's 20. Like, yeah, they're, you know, these guys are still young. I mean, even Quinn Hughes for his, <clears throat> as, you know, much of a, as he looks like a veteran on the ice, is only 22. So, I don't hate the firing, but, I mean, how much more can you try to progress these guys until you sit back and you have to listen? Like, they just kind of have to learn as they go. You know, like, yeah. you can't force, like, not everybody is going to come into the league as an 18 year old and play like he's 33 you know not everyone is Sidney Crosby or uh not everyone is even like uh Pavel Datsuk who even when he came into the league immediately he was one of the best defensive players in the NHL like some guys just take a little bit to kind of round and the defensive part of the game usually generally speaking takes a little bit more to round out than your offensive game so I don't really know if this is going to change much um I think I would like to see them bring in a developmental type coach with how young this team is, but or not bring in. I mean, obviously they have Bruce Boudreau, right? Um, maybe I would like to see him take a little bit of a developmental role, which is not something he's really typically used Known to. For. So we'll see. I mean, they bought in a guy that's pretty much used to coaching veteran teams between his time in Boston and his time in uh, Anaheim. And uh, Washington. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see. Maybe that's their thought process is let's get a guy who's used to coaching vets and he'll kind of the, – the kids will either sink or swim, right? They won't have a choice at that point. Um, but that could be dangerous. I mean, when you look at certain players, 
and certain coaches that haven't really gotten that mix. I mean, you look at Barry Trotz and some of the things that he's done with some of the young guys on the, on the New York Islanders. I mean, Josh Hosang and Kiefer Bellows kind of chief among them. When you have a coach that is like, hey, either get it right or you're not playing, sometimes those guys don't play. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do, what do you think about Bruce Boudreaux and his fit on Vancouver? I think it's like hiring John Tortorella all over again. <laughs> it's like it's like putting a square peg in a round hole, man. Like it's you're taking a guy who's known for getting veteran teams over the hump and like competing and you're putting him on a team full of guys who are haven't even necessarily shown you they're even ready to compete yet. But the average age of their forward core for what it's worth is 26, which is incredibly young. Yeah. And the average age of their defense core is only 29, which, all things considered, is pretty young in and of itself. Like, most NHL decors tend to trend into the 30s in average age. Or at least the veterans. When they're ready to compete, they do. I mean, this veteran, the veterans on this team are, like, 26 years old. Like, it's like Bo Horvath's, like, the veteran on the team, and he's, he's not even that old. Yeah, I mean, we think of JT Miller as like the old man, but like he's only twenty eight. So, but I guess the real, I guess maybe that's what they're thinking is like bringing a guy who's been there to show them what it takes to win. But I don't know. I think it might end up. They might have to misplug, misplaced. Uh, I guess hopes maybe for what he could achieve with a team. Because I mean, if the team chafes under his his reign then like what's the point yeah you're just gonna sink again anyway <laughs> so now you're even worse than you were before now you're competing for a lottery pick yeah i mean we'll see how these new uh these new coaching changes work out so um we'll do some some quarter mark stuff here um kind of talked about some disappointing teams already so i guess who is your most disappointing team so far in the season probably i'll probably have to go with the colorado avalanche i feel like they haven't been as good as i thought they would be they i know they struggled for a while there they ended up i think they're only sitting middle of the pack anyway in their division they are currently tied for second in a tie with Dallas, uh, Winnipeg, and yeah. St. Louis. But, I mean, I thought they'd definitely be better than 13-7-2. Granted, I thought, the, I thought the Central Division in general would be better than it is, but they don't look like the team I thought they'd be. <laughs> that I'll just, like... From where they were trending, I really thought this was going to be the year where they would just win the Central Division, no doubt, and just run with it, especially with having their top line altogether healthy for the first time to start the season. So, but. So I'm going to say, I'm still, I'm going to, you know, if the Islanders hadn't gotten a nuclear detonation's worth of bad luck, obviously they would be my pick. But I'm going to give them a pass because literally it's like some like ancient voodoo curse has been placed on a team this year. So, <laughs> 
my most disappointing team, I'm going to have to go with Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I mean, with all the hype coming into the season, when you look at what they did last year, you know, almost making the playoffs with no Jonathan Taze, basically no Kirby Doc. I think he only played like four or five games for the end of the regular season. Um, you know, no real veteran established starting goaltenders. And then they come into this season, Jonathan Taze is back, Kirby Doc is healthy. Patrick Kane gets to play with him again. They bring in Seth Jones. They go out and get Jake McCabe. They go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury. And all it's amounted to is a 9-13-2 record, completely outside the playoffs, currently sitting 11 points outside. Uh, or they're currently sitting 8 points outside their division and still, again, 8 points outside the wild card. It's just like... You know, Seth Jones has come as advertised. He's got 22 points in 24 games. Um, Patrick Kane, 21 points in 20 games. But Kirby Doc, only 9 points in 24 games. Definitely a disappointment. Dominic Kubelik, only 8 points in 24 games. Mark andre Fleury, been well-documented. His struggles in net, 7-9 record with a 2-8-2 and a 9-13, which, I mean, like, granted, listen, most of it's not really been his fault. But I, have, I do have to say I haven't been thrilled with how he's looked all things considered in the net um oh yeah i forgot they went out and got tyler johnson too i forgot about that well he's been so hurt did I. yeah he's been hurt he's only played eight games but just so much like when you compare the, on paper this team to last year's team this year's team is far and away a much better hockey club and yet they've been almost unwatchable at points and it's just just disappointing man like i knew that they were going to struggle in a central division which is pretty stacked you know competing with teams like minnesota colorado dallas winnipeg st louis nashville but geez i mean 20 points i mean you're sitting behind the sharks and the kings in the standings and it took them how long to get a win to start the season it was just Nothing was really going right for this team, and it's still not really going all that well, all things considered. <laughs> I mean, they had, didn't they make a coaching change earlier this year? Yeah, because um, Colleton went out and got himself... Uh, I'm pretty sure Jeremy Colleton went out and got himself canned. Let's see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show. Yeah. So, and then obviously, of course... You can argue that there's been some outside in you know factors influencing them, but it's not been anything directly on the ice. Like the whole investigation had nothing to do with their players, essentially. So I don't really think that's much of an excuse. So yeah, my most disappointing player uh, team award definitely goes to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Who's been the most surprising team for you so far? I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames. I I thought on paper, on paper this team has always looked good, right? Like the last couple of years we've been saying the same thing. Like in a fairly weak Pacific Division, their roster is probably the closest thing to comp complete in the whole division. And they really should be com competitive. And they usually aren't. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, the last couple of years, they've 
been huge disappointments. So I guess my expectations were so worn down and so low to see them actually performing up as well <laughs> as they should be realistically is a surprise. You know, I could have picked a team like Anaheim, which I think is like playing well above water right now, but I think Calgary surprised me because of how sustained their success has been this year so far. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. It's not, I don't see any sign of it slowing down because I don't see any reason for it to slow down. You know what I mean? Like Anaheim to me right now is playing well, is playing above water and, but there are reasons why. Like there's some guys that are just playing on another level right now. Like Troy Terry having, what was it like 26 points in 20 games or whatever it was at one point. Like that's ridiculous. That guy, that's a pace that he's never been on in his career before ever. You know, Ryan gets having like a renaissance year all of a sudden and having 20 points in 20 games. So I don't see it as being as sustainable as Calgary's uh, success is, you know? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, as far as my most surprising team, um, I'm going to go over to the east. Um and I'm going to say the New York Rangers, not because I thought they're going to be bad, but I didn't think they were going to be this good. Um, Rangers currently sit 16, four and three with an eight, one and one record at home and eight, three and two record on the road. Um, they've just been flat out great. And then when you look at point percentage, I believe that they would be, yes, they would be first place in the Metro in terms of point percentage, only three points back of Washington with three games in hand. Um, Man, who would have thought that when you uh, you balance out the roster with a little bit of uh, grit that you would actually be able to kind of turn <laughs> basically a team last year that was middle of the road for most of the season into a team that, I mean, what year is it? Is this 2014? Is it, you know, did we turn the clock back seven years, you know? Yeah, they've been good, man. I mean, it also helps that when I've got a competent head coach. I mean, not any knock at David Quinn, but like clearly the guy is not... <laughs> up to the task i guess because with largely us the same roster minus like some smaller additions right like they had sammy play barkley goudreau gotten patrick nemeth on the back end ryan with reeves. largely the same ryan reeves right with largely the same roster that uh david quinn had last year gerard Gallant has them sitting second place like firmly in second place in the metro division arguably the toughest division in the whole league which doesn't surprise me because this Rangers team actually really looks a lot like those really young Panthers teams that Gallant was doing some pretty good things with, you know. Um, Before he got unceremoniously canned for some reason. A lot of talent up front, some really good talent on the back end as well. Um, you know, Shashirkin unfortunately had to leave the game the other day, but, you know, they said he's only going to miss maybe up to a week. So good news for the Rangers on that point. Still got Alexander Gurdjieff, so no... Um, you know, it, it looked a lot worse than it turned out to be, which is good for them because, I, you know, it's not all rainbows and sunshine in Manhattan. I do think that we're kind of seeing, you know, I made that joke about turning the clock back to 2014, but we are kind of seeing a little bit of the similar situation where Shesterkin is kind of covering up for a lot of mistakes, so we're not really seeing them as much, you know, we're not really seeing them as mistakes because it's like, oh, well, you know, they still won the game. They didn't puck and didn't end up in the back of the net. Meanwhile, you know, a large part of the reason is because Shesterkin, kind of like Lunk was carrying the Rangers did in the early years. But, but all that all being that said, said, 
<laughs> that's not necessarily a bad thing in the short term. Okay, in the long term, yes, you can't have your goalie bailing you out season after season after season because eventually it's going to kind of come up and catch up to him, whether that be in the form of wear and tear on his body or whether that be, you know, on you know, kind of like those 2010 range where unfortunately you see them just kind of come up just short every year because they're only, you know, because the superstar on the back end is doing everything he can, but they lose one nothing. So, you know, in the short term, though, to have somebody like that to kind of settle a young team in is exactly what they need. So I think the Rangers are in a position for sustained success, not just for this season, but in the seasons beyond. Um, some pieces at some point are going to have to be replaced, obviously. But for the most part, generally speaking, most of this roster is fairly young. So, you know, the Rangers are in a position for success. I just hope... Uh, my only hope for the team is that this is not, again, a case where, wow, the Rangers look really good when really it's like, no, actually, it's just Sturkin looks really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I, I think that the Rangers are in, are in a good spot. So um, who is your most surprising player uh, of the season so far? Um, this is a tough one. Because I have a couple, honestly, if you want me to go ahead. While yeah, you, you go first. Um, so I'm gonna take a look. We're going to Motown, the Detroit Red Wings, with a 13-9 and three record with 29 points, and currently sitting in the second wild card spot. Don't think that's sustainable, but I mean, no. man, how good has Lucas Raymond and Moore Sider been for these guys? Like Lucas Raymond coming into the NHL, a 19-year-old Swede, you know, out of you know, Gothenburg, Sweden comes in and right now 10 goals, 12 points or 12 assists for 22 points in 25 games. And the most impressive part to me is he's a plus three, which is not easy to do on this team. Um, at, despite their record and despite them winning games, they're still not a great defensive club. And so for him to be a plus is pretty impressive. And He's only got four pims, which is huge. I mean, the old saying goes, it's hard to score from the box, and, and Lucas Raymond has kind of proven that. Um, maybe Lady Bing candidate. Obviously, I think if he keeps this up, definitely a Calder Memorial Trophy candidate. Um, and, uh, you know, on the other end of the ice, on the back end, Mo Sider, 20 years old, six foot four, 197-pound German, three, point, three goals, 14 assists 17 points he has two overtime game winning goals so far and again one of the more impressive things about him is a plus three i mean this kid is the real deal i mean his game winning goal against the sabers was absolutely nasty his game winning goal against the islanders was an absolute rip and he can defend like he's looking like you know not to like push the envelope here on a 20 year old but it looks like those couple extra years overseas have really helped him round out his game to be a well-rounded complete player um so yeah i mean my two most surprising players not that i thought mo and lucas Raymond were going to be bad but they've just been like on another level for the detroit red wings so um yeah it's good to see because you guys know um I, I like the Red Wings. They're one of my uh, one of my favorite teams in the NHL. So, um, 
who's been your most surprising player to date? So I'm going to go with the uh, with Nazem Kadri, the Colorado Avalanche. I think, I mean, he's got 31 points in 21 games. So in addition to bringing his normal, you know, reliable two-way uh, gritty game that I think they really rely on, he also managed to find a niche and step up and put up 31 points in 21 games, which I don't even think he was ever on a pace like on a pace like this in Toronto when he was unarguably just as good a team or not a better offensive team. You know what I mean? So I just think that's been really surprising. I didn't expect him to be the leading scorer on this team. That includes Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, and Miko Rantanen. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, he's been he's been really good. I mean, he had a couple of goals the other night in that wild game uh, against the Flyers, and he's just been he's been something else. So I mean, he's been a man on a mission. It's almost as if he's out to prove that, like, maybe he's not. Well, maybe he's out to prove <laughs> that he can actually be a contributor. We'll see, and if not he can... have to be a moron. Yeah, I was gonna say, let's see if he can avoid being a, a heat-seeking ballistic missile. Uh, into playoffs because <laughs> a whole lot of fat and a lot of good this is going to do him if he's sitting in the press box so, yeah true uh, we'll go to uh, most disappointing player and I have a lot of candidates you know you could name a couple of players on the Islanders for this but again I'm going to stay away from them because there's been things they can't really control so uh, most disappointing player for me I'm going to have to go with Cole Caulfield on the Montreal Canadiens uh, coming off that playoff run last year I thought this kid's it he's the real deal he's ready to play you know put him in and let him loose and let's see what he can do and obviously the Canadians in general as an entire club have been incredibly mediocre actually worse than mediocre they're one of the worst teams in the NHL this year but I would have thought that if nothing else at least it would have been entertaining television to watch Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield kind of tear it up and Cole Caulfield has one goal five assists for six points in 18 games he's bounced up and down from the NHL to the AHL it just I don't know what happened it, you know maybe it's a little bit of a sophomore hangover but he doesn't look as confident with the puck as he did in the playoffs like this kid in the playoffs like the freaking cojones on this kid to do some of the things that he was doing in the playoffs as a 19 year old blew my mind like this kid you know especially when they were like down three to one to toronto like the things he was still trying to do i was like all right listen somebody's got to calm this kid down because like you know he's gonna do something dumb and cause the team problems but no like he just he went out and he did his thing and he was an effective player but this year it's looks like he's just not as confident he's not trying the things that are making him successful maybe he's a little gun shy um kind of taking a couple hits uh so far this season a couple of big hits i don't know i don't know what has to be done with cole caulfield but again he's only 20 he's still learning the game he's only 5'7 166 so maybe if he uh pulls the jack hughes and kind of has a, an off season where he just bulks up a lot. Maybe that'll help him get, uh, get things back on track. Uh, so who has been your most disappointing player this quarter? Mm. 
I guess I'm gonna go with Kirby Doc in Chicago. I had a lot of really high expectations for him. I thought uh, reuniting him with Kane was gonna produce a lot of uh, success, at least offensively. And uh, as you said earlier, clearly not the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. It's I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't know what the problem is. Like, I don't know if maybe like it's just expectations have been too high because because of what he did in the World Juniors and then what he did for Chicago after the World Juniors that year. But I don't know. I, I think mean, it's, it's not really like Patrick Kane isn't scoring. You know. Well, that's really it, right? Like, it's not like Kane. Well, I mean, Kane's the only one scoring, right? Him and Debrinket. Yeah, him and Debrinket and, and Jones. Like the the this team is very very top heavy in their stats right now because jones has 22 points kane has 21 to bring it to 19 the next closest guy is 11 i mean eight goals for brandon hagel's not bad but you know um sorry <laughs> but um yeah i don't know it's just been it's like you said like he just doesn't look confident with the puck but the problem is, like, it's like Cole Caulfield. Can you send him down? Because they seem to be both caught in the spot where, like, they're too good for the AHL, right? Like, they they tear it up down there, but they're not quite ready for the positions that the organizations want them to be in in the NHL. So it's like it almost seems like a disappointment to put them anywhere else because the expectations are so high for them already. Yeah, and, like, the, the real issue is you know, does sending them down really even do anything? I mean, outside of the outside of the message that it sends, I guess that's really the reason why a lot of guys get sent down. It's not necessarily because the coach thinks that the AHL is going to make them into a better player, but I think a lot of it's like the message, like, hey, listen, jackass, okay? Like, <laughs> it was not good enough. You know, you think you're, you're hot due because you came in last year and did all these things, but... You're not immune just because your name is Kirby Doc or Cole Caulfield, right? Like your prestige is not going to prevent you from being held to that standard. Um, it's just been a, such a disaster for the Blackhawks. I mean, geez, like what a mess. It's like can the, this, this year could not get worse, any worse if you were the Chicago Blackhawks. The only way this year could get worse is if they announce some kind of horrendous, horrific third jersey. Like... Or if, like, Patrick Kane got so frustrated, he just, like, retired. And just like, I'm done. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go beat up some cab drivers in Buffalo and get out of here. <laughs> All right. Um, who has been or who's going to get your bum of the quarter, I guess? Not bum of the year yet, but. Um, I got a new candidate for you. It, it, I, I have a feeling. I think I know who you're going to say. And I'm ready to hear it. I'm gonna lay it on you. I'm gonna go with PK Subban. God damn it! I knew it. <laughs> bro, I mean, what how is can he wrong not be the... with him? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, bro. Like, how can he not be the bum of the year when he's literally slew footing people and he like, <laughs> and not even just because like, he did it to a ranger, bro, but like he slew footed Sammy Blay and the guy's out for the year now. Like, he's been it was, like, a... it was... everybody. But that's what I'm saying. Like it was only like, <laughs> we talked about it literally like the week before he did it to Sammy Blay. We were like, they have to. The, there needs to be a stronger message because he's going to hurt somebody. And bada bing, boom, there he goes. Out goes Sammy Blay for the whole year with a destroyed ACL. Like, what? When? What are we gonna do? Actually, do something and stop this fucking guy? <laughs> like, you can't. Once 
is an accident. Twice, maybe, is an accident. Three times, that's a pattern, bro. Like, now you're just doing it to people. You know what I mean? And the league clearly understands that there's a pattern and clearly knows that he's it's a problem. So I don't know why they haven't just suspended him for it yet. Like, he's hurting people now. Yeah. I, I, man. Like, I, think, I get I think you're I'm a shit like, player now, but, like, fuck. I think I'm done going to bat for P.K. Subban. Because, like, when he got to New Jersey that first year and he was as bad as he was, my argument was he's going from a team that just made the Stanley Cup Finals in Nashville to a very young, very bad New Jersey Devils hockey club. He clearly doesn't trust his teammates because he's trying to do too much. Maybe when he gets in a couple years, you know, get some better teammates, things will kind of settle down, right? Then last year, not much better, was hurt, missed some time, things kind of went downhill. So I was like, ah, you know what? Like, he was hurt a lot last year. He's still, kind of, I still think Subban's got something in the tank. This year he comes in, his stats aren't bad, one goal, nine assists, ten points, but, like, he just woke up and decided my calling card is going to be that I kick people's skates out from underneath them now, which you don't need to do because you're 210 pounds, so, like, you don't need to be slew-footing dudes. I don't to know. To me, slew-footing is arguably, like, the dirt, one of the dirtiest things you can do in this sport. Because you're defenseless on the way down. Well, yeah, and you're defenseless the whole way through. Like, you're, how do you defend yourself from a guy coming up and just kicking you in the feet? Like, especially from behind, like the way he has been doing it. You know, like, I just—it's so blatantly dangerous and so just in disregard for the safety of his, like his his fellow players. Like, you don't do that to somebody unless you're trying to hurt them. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not. You. It's not like a. a I don't even know. Like, I can't think of anything comparable. Because, like, you only do this if you're trying to be like, yo, I'm going to just fucking end this guy real quick. Like, it's essentially like throwing an elbow. Like, you don't throw an elbow, like, a real, like, chicken wing elbow unless you're like, yo, I'm just going to take this dude's head off real quick. You know what I mean? It's like that level of dirty and blatant, like, where, like, you clearly have no regard for this dude or his safety. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gutless, it's stupid, and it's unnecessary, like, you don't ever need to slew foot somebody like there are times when there are certain penalties that you just kind of have to take right like guy gets to the front of the net all alone on a breakaway sometimes you just got to throw the hook in there or if somebody beats you to the front of the net and he has the puck on a stick sometimes you just throw out the cross check because you'd rather take the penalty than let him get a scoring chance right like there are penalties in the nhl that are necessary penalties or what we would call good penalties I have never ever seen a necessary slew foot in my entire life. So for him to be, I, I, I get not even like, it's not even like this is something that has happened a couple times here and there. It, it seems like it's something that he's incorporating into his play style intentionally as like a common feature where it's like, oh, we're going in the corner. I could either wrap him up and take him into the boards, poke check him from behind, or slew foot him, and I'm choosing option three every single time. And it's like, what, that shouldn't even be an option. Like, you don't, you shouldn't have ever downloaded that DLC into your <laughs> options pack. Like, I'm done. I think I'm done vouching for him. I, I'm just, I think I'm ready to admit that PK Subban's career is over. Like, he's just, he's bad. He's just a bad player. He's, he's a bad. 
seems kind of like I'm, a bad dude and bad dude on the ice. On the ice, yes, because he's off the ice. He's one of the best ambassadors for the game that we have. Absolutely, hundred percent. I'm not taking anything away from him off the ice. Like great guy, does phenomenal charity work donates untold millions of dollars towards children's hospitals every year phenomenal person off the ice but on the ice like do we need to show this dude a rorschach test and like get him checked out because like i don't know what's happening like are we going to show him the ink blots and he's like oh that's a slew foot and that's a slew foot it's like that one's a slew foot it's like yes because these are videos of you (laughs) like uh I guess, you know, he is my bum of the quarter. I guess I'll give an honorable bum of the quarter mention to uh, the art and marketing departments of the Nashville Predators and the New Jersey Devils. Actually, my, my, my honorary mention is the art and marketing department of the Nashville Predators with a super honorary, uh, honorable mention, very close second runner-up to uh, Mr. Uncle Daddy himself, Martin Brodeur who designed those awful piece of trash New Jersey Devils jerseys that we now have to unfortunately watch on television on the ice. Um, I'm not even going to blame the Devils marketing and art department as much because are you going to be the guy that says no to Martin Brodeur like, when you're working especially for the Devils? Mar- especially because Marty Brodeur is your boss. Yeah, like when Martin Brodeur walks into the art department and he's like of the new jersey devils and he's like here's my design are you gonna be like you know what mr image of my team one of the greatest players who've ever played for my hockey club and currently my manager no this is awful i mean you should but are you going to probably not because then you're probably gonna get a pink slip and told to get the hell out so mm. you might be like noted goodbye <laughs> and you're like all right well so yeah marty Bordeur. Uh, you're still an uncle daddy. Uh, nobody, I haven't forgotten that. Um, congrats on your adultery and also congrats on having apparently, uh, which I didn't know, um, an absolutely awful taste when it comes to jerseys because yeah, that's like the worst thing I've ever, one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. So congrats, dude. Um, you suck at designing jerseys. So good on you. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up our quarter mark episode? Hmm. I'm trying to think if I have any honorary mention bomb of the year awards. I know I, I kind of went off about the marketing department, but yes. No, uh, you're good. Like it's it's true. I'm just trying to think because like PK Subban was like the obvious one, and I'm just trying to think of what else. Like there there were some other guys. The Chicago Blackhawks organization. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, that's an accurate one. Jonathan Taze for his comments. You know. <laughs> the NHL for forcing the Islanders to play. into a no-win situation. Actually, the, force... the the entire state of Florida for giving us all those COVID cases. Thanks there for that. There you go. Thank you for co- forcing the New York Islanders into their own Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> you know, and the <laughs> ultimate unwinnable situation. <laughs> it's a Star Trek reference for you, but. Yeah, I don't even. I can't even say like someone like Tom Wilson or like because Tom Wilson's been quiet. Like, I mean, I, I, I could say Brad Marchand for being a douchebag, but like that's a given. Yeah. Oh, what about um, what about your boy Brendan Lemieux? There you go. There's my runner-up. <laughs> there you go. 
I don't know. I th I I think I was so mad about it. I just I physically repressed the memories in my brain. The Iron <laughs> Jaw, Mr. Chomps himself. Yeah, bro. Is he gonna be like the like? Oh God, Killer Croc out here. You know when the last time somebody bit me was? When uh... I was fucking four, <laughs> and it was some kid on the slide. Like, Brendan Lemieux is twenty-four. And biting other grown men. And not in, like, some weird kink kind of way. Like, in some I'm trying to rip your hand off kind of way. Like, I don't... In the age of a global pan... Like, in a normal year, that's a bad look. In the second year of a global pandemic, that's an especially bad look. And then Jonathan Quick going to bad form also is kind of a bad look. <laughs> yeah, so that's big true. oof yeah. all the way around. So there you have it. Some 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 great uh, bums of the quarter. Um, kind of have a feeling that PK Subban is going to be a strong contender for bum of the year. Um, My man, if he continues this year, he might be like fast tracked right into the Hall of Fame, bro. It'd be like him and David Backus, just like first ballot Hall of Fame bum. Yo, okay, real talk, real quick. If the if we if we induct him into the Hall of Fame this year and we make some kind of a ridiculous award, should we try to go to Madison Square Garden when the devil has come to town and present it to him we on the street? Either on the street or, like, when they're in warm-ups, we'll just, like, like, whatever the plaque is, we'll just, like, stick it on the glass, and it'll be, like, a giant picture of his face so he sees it and, like, skates over to read the text, and it says, congrats on your... Um, what if we just... What if we just... It just says... PK, we have an award for you from our podcast, and then we give it to him gift wrap so he doesn't open it until it's in the locker room, and then we can just like then we just we know we get the satisfaction of he actually has it in his hands. <laughs> and it's it's a giant like picture. It's a it's a framed thing, right? And we just, get him like a. <laughs> it's a zoomed in like zooms in on his face, and it says like P, uh, PK Sluban, congrats on your uh, what's the word? Um, not. You, congrats on your unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame bum election. <laughs> Bro, it's just like, we just make him like one of the fake, we just recreate the actual Hall of Fame like ones where it's just like the picture of his face and then like the text about his career. PK Subban slew foots per game 3.4. In injuries <laughs> caused per season. Just like have some of his stats read out at the bottom. Has the honor of being only the second unanimous induction into the into the, the bum Hall of Fame, behind David Beckus. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. And honestly, I mean, the only reason David Backus is even in there is because it's a meme at this point. Yeah, <laughs> my man hasn't done anything to earn that in the last I don't know how many years. You just called him a loser during. So, for those of you that don't know, the running joke with David Back is, is before the podcast was actually a thing, um, Steve and I had done a couple of videos, like, just talk about the NHL um, on the channel that this podcast used to be uploaded to, Legit Brownies Gaming, and uh, those videos are still up. And at the end of one of the videos, uh, Steve said something to the effect of, um, and David Backus is still the biggest loser on the planet for accepting that contract. <laughs> For forcing the Bruins into a, like of having to forcing them into the the worst contract I think in the NHL. And then we did a video the year after, and Steve ended that video with saying David Backus is still a huge bum. So it's kind of just 
gone on from there, so. <laughs> but David, just want you to know, if you're out there, you're in the Hall of Fame. If you want your plaque, you can reach out to us on social media. We'll get one made for you if you want it. <laughs> PK Subban couldn't go more than two games that's slew-footing somebody, and that makes him tonight's big loser. <laughs> <laughs> Hey PK, hey PK, slew foot somebody, slew foot the guy. Now do it again. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make. I'm gonna make that a meme. I'll post it to our Twitter. The the friggin' uh, impractical oh, jokers guys. <laughs> oh my god. Tonight's biggest. <laughs> and that makes him tonight's big loser. <laughs> Uh, all right. We're, we've ragged on PK enough. We'll we'll talk about him at the end of the year. Like I said, some of the other guys, like I don't know if they're gonna keep being enough of a bum to to be bum of the year. But I think Subban's uh he's making a he's, hard push for it to be sure. He's the early front runner. So uh yeah, next week we'll just be talking about whatever the hell happens in the NHL, which it's the National Hockey League, so there's always something to talk about. So I want to thank you guys for watching, and we will see you guys again next time.